Hi guys, before we get started with today's show, wanted to remind you that our new weekday studio show, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, will be debuting on ESPN on Tuesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern. In advance of the season opener, alongside Malika, there'll be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelburne, and others around the league. NBA Today will also be available as a podcast wherever you get your pods. One app, one tap. podcast and one of the hosts thinks playing in the box means you're still craving. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Uh, and I am taping this from New York. I'm, this is, I always say I'm delighted, but sometimes I mean it more than others. Truly mean it today because I am with Kevin Clark, who has been on the show before. You guys know him from his guest appearances, from the Ringer NFL show, from he has a new episode of Slow News Day with Akib Tlaib, whom we both adore, I think is the consensus. Um, Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. This is my first in-person impo- podcast in a long, long time. I know, it feels weird. I, 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 I'm like, we're looking each other in the eye right now. I might have to look <laughs> away. I'm wearing real pants because I, I knew... When was the last time you made eye contact with somebody? Never. I, even before the pandemic, never. Um, no, I, it's great to have you. Um, and I love... Your, we were just talking about the Ring of NFL show now is like, there's so many episodes five days a week, which is yep. impressive. Um, and so you really cover the entire league. You've also been all over this John Gruden story, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do want to talk about that. But just to kind of give you guys a preview, we're also going to talk about the Chiefs' defense and whether it can be fixed, some of the big games this coming weekend, um, Browns. Char- I mean, there's just so much happening. There's a lot. This coming. It's, a good, it's a good week of football. It's a good schedule. It's I, a some, great week of football. Sometimes you look at the schedule and you're like, ah, jeez. I don't even know any of those games. They're also lopsided, but there were. It was hard for me to like pick a few games. Not that I do games every week, but this week I was. I, I felt like I had to because there were some actual good ones. And there's so many teams right now where they're on the verge of being elite, and we get to kind of see them be tested this weekend. Yes. And that's what's so exciting about some of these games that we're going to get to. Exactly, it's like college football right now, where there's right. like kind of weird parody. And like coming into the season, you guys know from my previews. I, I mean, at old takes exposed to myself here <laughs> I did a verbal old takes exposed I was like oh the Bucks and the Chiefs yeah. are so stacked yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I don't feel like was a, a unpopular opinion but now I, I mean we're gonna talk about the Cardinals who are the remaining undefeated right. team but I don't feel like there are dominant teams I think every week the power ranking sh- seems to shift yeah, and, and every week conventional wisdom seems to shift. And also you get into, I think the Bucks scarred us all a little bit last <laughs> last year where yeah. we all were just like, well, then just don't have it this year. Maybe when Tom Brady gets a full offseason, full training camp, maybe we'll have it this year. Um, and so now the Chiefs are going to be in that mode where they're probably going to have to win three road games. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes a, a joke and a self-fulfilling prophecy, but there's some team right now that's going to have a great season, think they're crushing it, and they're going to get the Chiefs in the first round. Mm, um, and so that sort of is the the mm. outlier in all of this where we talk about the Chargers and the Ravens and the Browns and all these teams that we think are making the leap and it's like well actually the Chiefs are still going to be there and they're still going to be in that Bucks role and uh, That's a good point. you know well before we get to the Chiefs um, do you want to talk about John Gruden yeah. and his firing I mean so I feel like 99.9% of the people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with the story. And if I want to meet the 0.1% who are listening to this first time and are like, wait, John Gruden was fired? They did what? What? Um, Because 
I just cannot imagine that that is not there's anyone out there. But if you are out there and you're listening, please at me because I want to know who you are and I want to know more about your life and your how you consume media. But just as a quick refresher, yeah. this starts last Friday. Um, actually, the news broke right before I did PTI. No big deal. Uh, and it, the, the initial news was in the Wall Street Journal, and it was that uh, uh, an email had come out as part of this investigation into the Washington football team mm-hmm. and their toxic culture, which is done, by the way. The investigation is over. The Washington football team paid a $10 million fine, I think, and nobody was really, like, it, there, nothing happened. And most importantly, the actual investigation was not revealed. Um, it wasn't even written up. It wasn't even yes. written up. It was verbally spoken and then evaporated into thin air. That's good stuff. Okay, I want to get to that because I think that's a huge. It part was of this the Archduke Franz Ferdinand of, of the John <laughs> Gruden scandal. I'm upset. This is, I think, such that's such an important part of the story. And so the emails are primarily between him and Bruce Allen, who used to be the president of the Washington yeah. Football Team, and no longer is. Um, so the initial email was he uses a racist trope to talk about mm-hmm. Demora Smith, who's the head of the Players Association. Uh, he tried. He comes up with this insane lie, by the way. Or, or I, I'm, I, feel, I don't know if I'm how I should best put this. Uh, 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 he comes out with an excuse that I interpreted to be insanely inaccurate yep. um, uh, for this. And, and sort of everyone just kind of lets it slide. Not everybody. That, that's a straw man. But a lot of people kind of let it slide. Made excuses. John made excuses. He A lot of caping happens. And Gruden, by all accounts, thinks he's keeping his job. Nothing changes. It's Sunday night. As of Sunday night, John Gruden is still the coach of the Raiders. Then on Monday, it was Monday, right, that all this mm-hmm. broke. It Monday starts night. to break, yeah. Oh, pardon me, Monday night. Yeah, right. So on Monday night, then a bunch more excerpts of emails come out of the Times. There's more. Um, I mean, it's just like every everything. There's homophobic language. There's misogyny. He makes fun of Michael Sam, Eric Reed, Sarah Thomas, who's the mm-hmm. NFL's first female referee. He makes fun Top, of the NFL there are for- topless photos in the email chain. Which is also extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes he gets goes after the NFL for caring about concussions. He goes after them for caring about the protests. It's And, and this is the course of 2011 through 2018, mm-hmm. which is also relevant. A long time. So he's- it, it, Literally, this comes out, and he resigns during Monday Night Football. So now we're in today. It is Wednesday. And- uh, everybody's still kind of reeling from their ramifications from this. I guess, Kevin, I'll start here with you because you you've reported on the league for a long time. You're not just an analyst. What questions do you still have? I think that's important, right? No, yeah. When they're not that, I don't have any questions about John Gruden anymore. I know who John Gruden is. He revealed who he is, what he believes, and, and his yeah. everything about him. But I think I'm all, I'm all set left. on John Gruden, yeah, we're actually. Good. No we're more, all set there. No takes um, necessary. So there are 650,000 emails as part of this investigation. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that John Gruden did not, was not the only person of those, of those 650,000 emails uh, who said something that disqualifies them from employment in the NFL. And I'm wondering now what's next, um, where this goes, who's leaking them. So the NFL says they're not leaking them. Okay, well then that... that leaves open another option, a much scarier option, which is a, is a rogue agency that's just leaking these things at will, or the NFL League office is doing it. Okay, so that's that's kind of two separate things there. Um, and we'll use Occam's Razor to figure out which one is which. And so for me, I don't think that this is a cancel culture story. I don't think, I've never seen in my life a football story where there are so many people who think that bad points are good points. They say, oh, what would happen if your emails from 10 years ago leaked? Well, you'd see a bunch of Pearl Jam tickets. I leaked one of mine. I leaked, I leaked an incredibly damaging email from 2012 in which I, I was like, I 
are the Seahawks going to get Matt Flynn? Is this it? Are we, do we got it? So I canceled myself. But then I uncanceled myself because my friend Mark Tracy wrote back, forwarded me an exchange mm. after the draft where I said, Russell Wilson, quarterback of the future. Ooh. So I was canceled and then uncanceled in the uh, recollection of my emails. Continue. Yeah, no, and so uh, I, it, you, you can go ahead and leak my last 10 years of emails. It's, it's mostly uh, just, you know, emailing my family to tell them when I'm coming to town. Um, and it's not like this. And it, what, what's amazing to me is how many people were CC'd on these things mm-hmm. and who they were. It was the president of the football team. It was bowl game presidents. It was the, C- the president of the CEO of Hooters. Hooters. Uh, which, you know. Literally have, the most on brand. Yeah, like, I feel like yeah. that. I, I've just... lost all respect for Hooters as an institution. <laughs> institutional failure at Hooters. Um, but I, I, what I'll say is that just like. It reminds me. So one of the one of the many disqualifying things for this, from from the Gruden perspective, is that Gruden is also partly an HR person, right? Yeah. He makes decisions on who should be employed and who who shouldn't be, and you can't have someone like this making decisions on not only who should be on the team, but who should be in the front office, who should be on the coaching staff. Um, this is, there's a reason that the NFL is full of nepotism and full of cronyism. And, you know, it's the old George Carlin line, right? Uh, there's a big old club and we're not in it. And when you see these emails, you sort of understand right. what that what that means. Um, they can just hire their sons and their brothers and their nephews. Uh, this is how decisions are, are made. Um, and so what questions do I have? I, I, I just want to know who else, you know, I, I checked in with the NFL source on Monday. Because everybody said, and again, this is another bad point, masquerading is a good point, where people were saying, Oh, well, everybody in the NFL talks like that. Well, then those people should not be in the NFL anymore. I'm sorry. Like, if they talk like that, yes. they shouldn't be in the NFL anymore. And I, I checked in with, with a really smart NFL source on, on Monday, and I said, can, can I just run this past you? Like, what's going on in front offices and locker rooms? They said, well, there's a bit of a generational divide. I think that's true. And I tend to understand that. But I'm not, again, I, 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 this is, in my opinion, not a cancel culture thing. This is about you know, the ability to lead a locker room, lead a team. If there are people who are talking like that, they, sh- they should be purged from the NFL. Um, and if there's evidence of that, within a work, it was a workplace misconduct investigation. You're allowed to find workplace misconduct within that investigation. Yeah. So I don't think you should go through and say, ah, this person said something mildly offensive in 2013. I don't think it should be that. But if someone's showing a pattern that disqualifies them from having power in the NFL, get them out of here. Power being the operative word, I think, um, and disqualifying, which I, I, I think that's a really apt way of looking at this. John Gruden is essentially like a CEO, not of Hooters. But, you know, he, he's supposed to be a leader, not only of, you know, the men on his roster, but the head coach is the face of the team. Head of, they set the tone for the organization. We know, by the way, he had more power and impunity than most head coaches on account yeah. of his contract. Um, and so I think it, it's kind of wild to me that people think someone who runs an organization shouldn't be – accountable is the wrong word. Accountable is the correct word. But I also say it's important for that person to n- not have not only not have hateful views, but also um, be willing to change with the times, too. And, and also not eh, not be closed off to hiring, working with, working for, understanding people who are different from you. And, and like, I, you know, the, the emails, I mean, the dude clearly had problems with just about every group other than himself, candidly. That can't be a leader of a team. Um, so I, I think that's why this is pretty open and shut for me, frankly. I, my question is kind of, 
not too dissimilar from yours, which is like there's still this broader investigation. And, and the fact that he felt so comfortable putting those words in emails, very telling. And, out, and work Outlook yeah, yeah. inboxes. Yeah, sending them to Bruce, Bruce Allen, Allen, whatever. B. Tell- Allen at, at I didn't want to say the name of the team, but you like you're doing it tells you dot NFL dot yeah. com here, and you're sending the worst things. Or I mean, maybe that's not the worst thing I, he said. I think my my co-host Ryan Clark on NFL Live made a really excellent point on Tuesday, which is he said, you know, because I talked about how like man, imagine the level of comfort and privilege it takes to put that in the email, and then he said, Mina, imagine the level of comfort and privilege it requires to have one email come out and then say, I'm not taking any more questions on this. Mm-hmm. Like that, John Byrne didn't think he was gonna get get exposed yeah. like this, and so that's that's it's just a that, bummer. That shows I, a lack of savvy, in my opinion. Like you know what you right. sent, and you think that that's the only thing that's gonna leak, man. Like what what kind that's what wild. kind of coach are you if you can't see that coming? I mean, there's just there's there's just so much here, and it speaks to sort of the some of the power dynamics in, in football, and this is how jackasses speak to each other. And there's no evidence that he's changed, none whatsoever. Right. And if given the chance, and if he if this hadn't been uncovered, he'd probably speak like that again. That's it, yeah, that's a great point. If he had changed, I don't think he would have lied uh, or yeah. you know said what he did on Friday. So that's to me all you need to know. Um, you know, just the people he names too, like Michael Sam. Um, Sarah, Sarah Thomas, the referee, Eric Reed. These are all people who he goes after in his emails. By the way, shout out to the unbothered king, Jeff Sir- Fisher, who resurfaced on Twitter, issued a statement that was basically like, keep my name out of your mouth, and we drafted Michael Sam because he's a good football player, and then disappeared into, again, absolute king. Unproblematic <laughs> fave. King. Slow news day um, legend, Jeff Fisher. But those names, like those people, are people who have made the NFL better and yeah. move things in the right direction and made it a more comfortable place for, I don't know, pe- people like me, people you know people from different backgrounds, people, players willing to speak their minds. And so it's just such an unbelievably regressive attitude. And I guess my only question, concern, whatever going forward is I don't want people to think, okay, great, we got the bad guy, yeah. he's gone, everyone else is cool. Because clearly, as you said, because of the, the body of the emails, the comfort of sending them to so many people, this it ain't it. It ain't it. So, and we should not we should not let Bruce Allen off the hook here. He won't be left off the hook. But I just want to clarify that he's the Forrest Gump of people acting like jackasses in the NFL scandals. Like there have been there's been a pattern of people acting like jackasses with Bruce Allen in the vicinity, and that's probably not a coincidence. I also just as far as the NFL goes, we need to I, we need to, but they should be transparent about. Uh, the Washington football team investigation. Oh, God. So Kevin just showed me t- this fucking... So Mike uh, Garofalo just tweeted, Raiders GM Mike Mayock says Carl Nassib, who's the NFL's first active out player, uh, requested and was granted a personal day today because he has a lot to process following the John Gruden email situation. Oh, that makes me want to scream! It makes me so angry. Um... Yeah, that that, that like sentence that I just read is all you need to know as to why this person should not be around the NFL. And I also like, God, leave this dude alone, man. I don't want anyone asking. If he wants to speak out, yeah. that is great. But he has been he's been kicking ass this year. Not Very that that good. matters, but he's had like this crazy bounce back year, which I personally loved as a story that like this dude comes out, reveal has this super scary, crazy revelation, and then plays some of his best football and. God, that makes me angry. Okay, all right. 
So, in sum, Gruden is out, but nothing, this isn't over, and be better, humanity, please. Um, yeah, that's... I, I, I would also say, listen, I don't want to mm. get into, I don't want to get into um, the whole, like, there shouldn't be an NFL-wide workplace misconduct investigation or whatever. But what I am saying is if you're in the NFL and you have a coworker who talks like this, acts yeah. like this, it's your responsibility to tell them to shut up or evolve their opinions or yeah. or if the person is beyond um, helping to, quite frankly, do something about it. That's, this is, that's my take. The, that's the, a good one. The, the, yeah. the, the onus is on people inside the league who are getting these emails to move the sport forward in a direction where those emails are no longer sent. I, mo- most of us are not the people writing them. They're the ones who are CC'd or in the room or whatnot. And yeah, again, it goes back to comfort and privilege and that and enabling, I think. And uh, clearly he was all of those things. He was comfortable, he was privileged, he was enabled, and it takes a lot of people to make that happen over a lot of time. Okay. Ugh. So on to the positive story that is the Chiefs defense. I was going to say, as soon Should as we do I, a game I, instead, I, heard, I, heard, I heard your transition and I was like, uh, it's, it's this is a different type of bad news for sure. Well, okay, the question I posed to you, um, I, I think this is an incredible, this is like one of the questions that's going to read, it's going to define the rest of the NFL season. It cuts to what you were saying earlier about the Chiefs, which is, can the Chiefs defense be fixed? Because I'm not worried about the Chiefs offense. I think there were there were there's been some some patterns that we've seen over the beginning of the season. Sure. Bills had a great game plan for them. I thought Mahomes had his worst game, whatever. Offensive line struggled as well. They'll be fine. I don't know if the Chiefs defense <laughs> is going to be fine. And and, fine, and I want to set a baseline for fine because the Chiefs defense has like not been good throughout the Patrick Mahomes era. That's correct. But they have been decent at stopping the pass. And they have also come up with turnovers at big moments. And that combination has been enough paired with Mahomes being like a football god. Now, they are not good at... Anything. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, literally anything. <laughs> That's the I, word. You cannot find stopping the run, yep. tackling, They've always been bad at stopping the, the run, and they, now yeah. they've married that with not being able to stop anything. It's an innovation, really. Yeah, because stopping the run... Because when they couldn't stop the run... We were like, yeah, you really need to stop the run yeah. and toy in the modern it's not NFL. Football. Yeah, Let right, it yeah. rip. And I actually think, yeah, that's okay. We're going to get to the Cardinals, by the way, who I don't think are awesome. And the Chargers, we're going to talk about today. Neither yeah. of those teams are particularly great at stopping the run. We'll talk about that. But yes, they cannot do any, literally anything. Um, and, and and it's a, it's it's especially challenging. So so the reason I think it's complicated, it's not simple, is the personnel is largely the same. Yeah. Uh, they've had some key injuries. Chris Jones, who is by far their best defensive player, did not play against yeah. the Bills, which I wish I had known before making my sure. picks against the spread. Sure. Um, and Willie Gay Jr. just Willie came Gay back. Out, yeah, yeah the, some of the cornerbacks have been intermittently in and out, yada, yada, yada. Um, however, so so mostly it's the same guys. And Steve Spagnolo is mostly taking the same approach, which is blitzing a lot, fifth most in the NFL, yeah. Um, and then playing a, playing a pretty man. significant amount of man behind them. So you can look at that and you say, you could say, well, maybe they should change it up and blitz less and play less time. So when they didn't, don't blitz. I just pulled this. So when they do blitz, they are allowing a QBR of 39, which is decent. When they don't blitz, 
opposing quarterbacks have a QBR of 98.4. Kevin, do you know what the scale for QBR is? I do. It's not great. Not great to be 98.4. Actually, I think the the NFL's best QBR right now, last I checked, was Matt Stafford at 75. So that should put that in perspective. So Daniel Sorensen, God bless him, one of the worst players in football, by a wide margin. Um, I, I I don't know where to start here. I have pages and pages of notes on the Chiefs defense, and it's all pretty bad. So we'll start here. Chiefs defense is allowing 7.1 yards per play, Not which great. is the worst mark in history. Um, many want. people have pointed out that's higher than the 07 Patriots offense, higher than the greatest show on turf, uh, other people have pointed out. Um <laughs> There are, let's go through the passer ratings against for various defensive backs. Sorensen, 153.8. How is that possible? Legereus Need, 145. That one's a bummer because he he was good. He was good. Hughes, 109. Ward, 111. Fenton, 103. They have Patrick Mahomes, and they're blowing it by turning every other quarterback into Patrick Mahomes. There are a handful of, of, of per-drive stats, Mina, where they are first in the NFL in offense and last in defense. This is like, this is the ultimate test case for does defense matter. This is like a PFF fantasy, okay? <laughs> uh, they're scoring on 52% of their drives on offense, and they're giving up a score on 50, 54% of their drives, okay? They are, it is so hard to screw this up, and they're doing it. Now, I can't, they're missing tackles. I, yeah, listen. Tackling's so bad. Things will get better. And I, I've told the story a million times, and I'll tell it again, but in September of 2018, something like that, I just destroyed a defense on a, on a podcast. And I got a call from a GM like an hour after the post, and I was like, this can't be good. And he was like, you got to realize that in the modern NFL, no training camp to speak of, no two-a-days, no real offseason, that as long as the defense gets healthy, they're going to get less sloppy as, def- as the season goes along. They're going to understand their scheme more as, as the season goes along, and they're generally going to get better, okay? These are the same guys, though. Yes. and But the problem is that as much uh, grace, much of a grace period as I can give these guys, like time is running out. At some point, we have to understand that this is who this is. You know, I, I, I saw some trade rumors on the timeline. You know, oh, Marcus May, Justin Reed, they, they can't go out and get those guys. Just because just those guys are going to trade it doesn't mean the Chiefs can get them. They don't have the capital or, or, or the money, quite frankly, in a lot of cases. So I don't know what this is. And the thing that worries me, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I adore Patrick Mahomes. I've spent a lot of time in Kansas City doing reporting. The thing that is just a little bit, I don't know, I'm thinking about it. Daniel Jeremiah said he missed on Mahomes because the one thing he didn't realize was the Mahomes was always trying to do too much when his team was down mm. at Texas Tech. And that's why he started to get too aggressive, trying to put his, the team on his back. And the more Mahomes starts to do that, the more I start to worry about maybe there, there could be a corrosive effect later in the season. I, th- that's where these things, offense and defense, kind of tie together because the Chiefs defense, for all the crap we've just given them, actually strung together a few stops in the Bills game. But... Mahomes at that point was already in doing too much mode, mm-hmm. as you just described, um, and which was actually really frustrating for me because uh, he was doing the exact opposite all season until this game. He was taking what was available to him. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire like ran the ball well, literally the week before against yeah. Philadelphia. So coming into this game where the Bills had very obvious game plan. By the way, it's the same game plan every breaking team has against the Chiefs, which is you sit back. 
Um, <laughs> shocker, I know, right? Although I think the Bills have a good, like a I, good defensive line. That, that I was also the thing. Solak was on our podcast before the season was talking about um, teams dropping back against Lamar, and making a pass and stuff. And I think that having a defense to play against a quarterback is not the same as having figured out a quarterback. Yeah. Like we listen, like everyone in the hundred years or whatever, fifty years of Superman comics, like we know what stops Superman, but he still wins most of it's the time. It's crazy. Kevin, if you have a, a, a four-man rush yeah. that's good, you can stop quarterbacks it's in the amazing, modern NFL. It's amazing it's to me that, that uh, rushing the quarterback and getting home with four guys and then dropping everybody back. Why doesn't every team do it's that? Amazing. Why doesn't every team have four hey, pass rushers that do, can do, that can beat an offensive lineman every single time? we just fix the Chiefs? We just fixed it. Okay. So, I, Steve <laughs> Dotspagnolo. <laughs> well, we shouldn't send any work emails to, uh, to anybody right now. Oh, but, I, but, I have a Steve Spagnolo take, but... I, That's not really his email address, by the way. I'm joking. But we could we just email him and say, rush four guys and get everybody back, and Daniel Sorensen <laughs> will be totally fine. <laughs> okay, so I have two thoughts on the question of can the Chiefs get better. They're, they can't, they're probably even better because they can't be worse, first of all. You literally rattled off the numbers. Like, Daniel Sorensen cannot allow a higher passer rating than 158. It is impossible. Two things. Um, well, So three things, I think, that offer like a mild... I guess a mild amount of hope. One, the injuries that we referred to. A lot of these guys haven't played together at the same time. They've mm-hmm. been in, they've been out. Jones is in, Clark's out, whatever. Clark who's just, you know, obviously been a disappointment for them in terms of that contract. But I think that is something that is going to inevitably help them just better health. Two, I think Chris Jones should move back on it to the inside. I know that's like um a very armchair Monday morning quarterback thing to say, but it, it really hit me, me during the Ravens game, watching mm-hmm. him play on the outside. And I realize he's, like, learning to play the p- defensive end. By the way, we're talking about Chris Jones playing on the edge this year. I skipped over that. Sorry. Chris Jones used to be the best defensive ta- one of the best defensive tackles in football, right before, behind Aaron Donald. The Chiefs trade for Jaron Reed, who's not been very good this year. And then they—man, the Chiefs are addicted to former Seahawks who then play bad. I just realized that. Can I interest you guys in a Jamal? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Are you? So— <laughs> We're not talking about the Seahawks today. I, the first take tried to get me to talk about the Seahawks Tuesday, and I just wrote back, no thanks. <laughs> sorry, first take. I'm sorry. I love, I love being on the show. Okay. So um, I think Chris Jones should move back outside. Okay. Frank Clark, inside. Or, pardon me, inside. Ugh, back inside. I was going to say, um, did you already change your mind? We no. went moved inside in the take, and now it's outside in the take. No, I just think, especially like in terms of where he is most impactful and then the effect that his presence on the inside has on mm-hmm. – both Frank Clark and Mike Dana, who has turned out to be their best defensive yeah. player, I think having a side will help. And the other thing is, I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day when everyone was getting Matt Sorensen, I pointed out that as much as people want to bench Sorensen for Thornhill, they're usually both on the field when right. the horrible stuff, ha- the big play happens. Also, be- the coaches clearly don't like Thornhill. Yes, because which, they play so much dime. And I, if the coaches... Let me tell you something. If there was an easy fix in Kansas City, they'd probably yeah. go to it. Is my is my Thornhill take? So, I don't know if I, I, Daniel Harrison clearly clearly needs to be used differently. That is my take. <laughs> Wait, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm I'm writing this out, which is he's just blitz him, use him like the Seahawks used Jamal Adams in 2020. Oh, God. You what? Am I wrong though? Because the, what you, he shouldn't be doing is rotating back into cover two at the last because you know actually I talked about yeah. this a couple weeks ago about the with the Chiefs defense and their how everything kind of ends up looking like too 
that is not Daniel Sorensen should never be in that position. Um, so I think there's they they have to figure out some things in the secondary. I think Chris Jones should move, and I think some injuries, uh, better health rather. I think the Chiefs are going to get better, and like I don't want to I don't want to sound like smug. Oh, the Chiefs are are done. We're about to crown a bunch of other ASU teams on this podcast. But yeah. the Chiefs are still really freaking smart. They still have Andy Reid. They still have Brett Veach. They still have a talented front office. Like, they'll get something. This The bottom's not going to fall out with the Chiefs. They, they know what they're doing. They're just – I think that I think you could – there was so much emphasis on the offensive line this year, and they fixed it, and they put resources into it, and they put money into it, and Creed Humphrey is – you know, was, was a great pick. I think he has allowed the second uh, fewest pressures at the center position this year. Um, but – Maybe they didn't put enough em- emphasis on, you know, a couple other positions as well. And that, that I think, is, uh, is, is maybe what we're seeing here is that, yes, they needed to fix the offensive line. They did it, and, like, that's perfect for Mahomes. Um, but they, but they need to be – they need to have a bad defense, not a historically awful that's, defense. It's as simple as that. So going forward, they've got Washington, which, you know, um, is a team that is good at running football. But I think, obvi- given how that defense is played, I think the – Chiefs offense to look better. Then they have the Titans. Uh, as a Derrick Henry fantasy manager, love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> then the Giants, the Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. Um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. I I think like I I think we both kind of agree that things can't be worse, and there are some tweaks that they can be made, but it's not pretty, folks. All right, after the break, let's actually talk about some games that we're excited about and some positivity. And uh, yeah, let's do that. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, let's start with Chargers-Ravens. I'm still on the high of Monday Night Football. Which was such a roller coaster because the Gruden news broke, so like the entire first half in which the Ravens were awful, like kind of didn't happen in my mind because right. I was processing the Gruden stuff, and then he resigns, and then 
Lamar Jackson becomes the best quarterback on earth for two the two quarters, the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, He's amazing, and he and Herbert and Kyler are. I would say those are the three for MVP right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would throw Dak in there. Oh yeah, of course. And um, then Josh Allen, if if stuff you know, things keep going sure, in that direction, sure, but I think sure. you've, I think you've got it right. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the Ravens' offense versus the Chargers' yeah, defense. Yes. Yeah. So Lamar is completing so far seventy five percent of his intermediate throws Ooh. and uh, twenty two of twenty nine on the season. Only I know this is going to sound dangerous. Only Kirk Cousins uh, is better at that completion percentage. Why did you say that? Let's uh, remove ourselves from that particular tailspin and get back on track. Um, <laughs> this is. This is who Lamar is. Um, he can win games. He can play from behind. Uh, he can do things that nobody else on the planet can do. Um, and so I love watching him. I think that this is, I think last year was such a strange year. Um, where there were so many interruptions. There was obviously going to be some regression. And listen, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Mahomes. Defenses understand how to maybe have a little more success against Lamar. But they can't have all the success against Lamar. And I think last year was him kind of getting through it and learning what that, that adversity looks like. Um, and so I think he's figured it out. And like I think that I forget who said it, but this isn't necessarily the NFL figuring out Lamar as much as Lamar figuring out the NFL. Well, and that's what's scary about it. The Colts game in particular was so um, – it was such an answer to like every question, any bad faith – Questions you would have, not just about Lamar, but yeah. the Ravens' offense. Period. Because they come out, and I'm, not, I'm just talking about the comeback thing. In terms of like Greg Roman and his ability, and the, and the players' ability, by the way, to like make adjustments and sort of change the way they're the style of play in response to a defense that in the entire first half of the game, I was kind of joking about not paying attention, but the Colts absolutely had their number in the run game. Everything the Ravens were throwing all their weird stuff, all of their weird like run concepts at them, mm-hmm. and the Colts linebackers and. Defensive front, they, they were just sniffing it out very easily and stuffing them. And, and in the past, there's been Ravens, there's been iterations of this offense mm-hmm. under Lamar and Greg Roman where you'd be like, all right, that's a wrap. But instead, like this, you saw, again, not only like some of it was backyard football, mm-hmm. so a lot of it was Lamar just being like, F it, put my team on my back, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the entire, like, I, 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 and look, Mark Andrews is has always been good, mm-hmm. but Mark Andrews has not always been good in big moments right. um, for Lamar Jackson. I think, you know, you have Hollywood Brown also, like, coming up big in this game in particular, but like you said, you saw all of a sudden, it, like, that the, those last two drives, those that wasn't all just backyard football. No. It was a clinical, short-to-intermediate passing game, methodically working their way down the field, mixing in a few runs, a lot of which weren't terribly successful, by the way. Um, and, and watching it, I was like, okay, like this Ravens offense has taken that next step. Not yeah. Lamar Jackson, the entire offense. The wide receivers, to me, by the way, um, and so this includes, of course, Sammy Watkins and um, Devin DuVernay, who quietly had a pretty decent game. They all look better uh, right now. It's not just that Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball really well. They're doing a better job of running their routes and separating. Mm-hmm. The concepts don't look as static. Um, they did hire a couple of wide receiver experts as it, you know, because after losing David Cutley, who was their passing game coordinator, and I think it's paying dividends. And now you get Rashad Bateman back, who's like my uh, obsession, finally, the first-round pick. So I said all that, and yet it's the Chargers' defense, so they should just pound the rock. I, so, <laughs> so I agree that, with so that. that was I, an entire I, I, I waste agree, of time. I agree with that. I will say this. John Harbaugh talked about this, talked about it last summer, so before the 2020 season, and it didn't really happen. But the point he was making for basically the entire offseason was that the stress that Lamar puts on defense with the the running game and the numbers 
advantage that they have because defenses have to account for Lamar, which is even just one person. I remember talking to the the Bengals DC, and it's so funny because, you know, I I said to him, I said, you know, who's your Lamar stopper? And he said, well, there's never been anybody like Lamar in the sense that, like, our Lamar stopper has to be a cornerback. Yeah. Because nobody else is going to be the no, – nobody else is, is, is that athletic. And, and, by the way, some of the cornerbacks aren't that athletic. Yeah. But – Harbaugh's point was that he only needs to take a moderate step forward in passing to take a massive step forward in passing because of, of the defense's inability to adjust. So I'm in agreement with you with the Chargers in particular, just run it down their throat. But I'm saying NFL-wide, you know, uh, yeah, all I, over I 17 that, games, yeah. over 20 games, um, this can be a sustainable – he's never going to be Mahomes, but he can he can put teams in hell. In absolute hell. And it, I, when you're saying that, I, I, who's their Lamar stopper? Derwin James yes. is the player on this defense. But if he is overly committed to spying Lamar, that opens up. I mean, again, Mark Andrews in the seam is the most dangerous com- combination of, like, just words in football yep. right now. That's not true. I take that back immediately. But um, the thing about the Chargers is they are 31st in DVOA against the run. And um, some, some of that is the light box thing they do where they're basically seeding the run to um, – Opposing offenses, yeah. but some of it I also think is that this uh, front seven is just not very good at stopping the run. Now, so, or frankly, I, I was thinking about this watching them play the Browns, who we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, and basically just get bullied, bullied into the earth by Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Um, outside of Joey Bosa, who was kind of up and down in that game, who are you really scared of up front with the Chargers? I mean, it, that that's it. That's the list. Yeah. That's the list. And, I mean, this is a – I think Tom Telesco is a really, really good GM. And I, I think every great team has to kind of rob Peter to play uh, pay Paul. There's not going to be a team that is just has is good on every single level of the football. And, damn, the, the Chiefs have built a, a little mini AFC dynasty here, and they've gotten away with a lot. So I'm not overly concerned, but I, I, I completely agree. I also think – the Chargers can handle the Ravens defense based on what we've seen. So, which is probably why this game I think is going to be so awesome. And by the way, I feel right. like I said that every time I say that like both offenses are going to tread, it never ends up being right for both sides. So, I'm probably going to be wrong about one side. Um, but watching, we'll talk about Herbert in the Chargers offense, watching the Ravens defense in that Monday night game, I was just really struck by how many holes there are right now on that side of the football. I mean, obviously, you know, having lost Marcus Peters, every opposing team is going to go after everyone not named Mm -hmm. uh, Marlon Humphrey. And they, Anthony Averett was the victim in this game. Literally, I think um, Michael Pittman (laughs) might be living in his house right now, uh, unfortunately for him. That was, God, what a bad ball, too. But um, they they will go after him. Herbert will hunt uh, they're going to go after the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Patrick Queen has not been great in coverage. Nope. Um, and I am not sure. I mean, I, look, the Ravens have – they basically are doing – the defense, despite some of the losses that they've had, they're playing pretty similarly to how they did in the past. They still blitz a fair amount. They still get, like, okay amount of pressure, still play a fair amount of man behind them, a little bit less. But I have been trying to think, okay, what is their best shot of stopping Herbert Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and I think they just don't have the guys. I thought about this. Um, I don't know. How do you stop? Let's just 
pull the lens back for a second. You spent time with Justin Herbert. You studied him a lot. How do you stop Justin Herbert? Um, force him to have a conversation for more. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Justin Herbert. He I, does uh, not love being interviewed. I've noticed that. Um, not not into it. Bruce Shumlin was on our podcast this week, and he was saying that his actual Herbert's actual flaw, if you want to call it that, was that he actually got when he was at Oregon really early. Is that he actually would get down on himself, kind of easily and kind of early, and that he. It's funny now that he's just sort of this statue God. where we're also just like, you know, like when they win a game, he acts like they just called his, you know, his group boarding an airplane you know like he's on southwest <laughs> group four and he's like hell yeah it's, it's my time um so the uh he probably group group two on southwest he when i met him in oregon had driven up because he 13 hours wait a second so jim nance was on slow news day last week and he told a story about how he played golf with justin herbert and he talked about justin herbert's crappy car and this road trip free car that he he, he he so he so did did Justin Herbert drive from LA to Jim Nance and then from Jim Nance to you? I I I I kept asking him like why didn't you just fly first class and he was like why would I spend money on that and I was like I my brain is broken right I now. think the answer might have been he wanted to play golf with Jim Nance. Well, he also he loves golf. He yeah. plays so much golf. I'm I'm aware. Jim Nance and I broke this down in between talking um, about quarter zips. No, but he also doesn't like to fly. I, mean, I like to fly. We don't need to. Okay, so the way to stop Justin Herbert is to force him to board a flight and talk to him a lot and get down on him so he gets down on himself. So I guess we mean. I don't know. Uh, okay, so what a moment of armchair analysis here <laughs> for Justin Herbert. Um, he's making perfect passes. It's really funny to me, by the way, like the Herbert mania. Albert Burr said this the other day where he was on the radio a couple years ago in New England, and they were like, what's Jimmy G's ceiling? Ceiling. And he said Tony Romo, and everybody got mad at him because, like, they don't understand how good Tony Romo is. Orlovsky. They were mad at, like, that it was, oh, yeah, I thought yeah. they were mad because no. it was unrealistically positive. No, because they're all, this is like This is when they Patriots thought they thought. Era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like Patriots era, and they just oh, wanted this- to hear Brady. So... So, Orlovsky was on his one of his podcasts, Tapeheads, with Scott Pioli the other day. Shout out Tapeheads. Uh, shout out Orlovsky. Finally followed me on Twitter the other day. Oh, that's a, that's huge. I have a, I was actually going to mention Dan Orlovsky, but keep going with the story. So, he I'm listening to it, and I'm doing other stuff, and he compares, he says he's new age Carson Palmer. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, come on! And then I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. Carson Palmer's really good. He, he was awesome. He was awesome. But you don't remember it because it, well, he's not an all-time great. And I think right now we're thinking Herbert all-time great and we yeah. don't understand. I mean, he, does, he doesn't make bad throws. He does not make bad throws right now. Everything he does is perfect. Here's the only thing that can stop Justin Herbert. Joe Lombardi. <laughs> that is my opinion. Which is not to say I think he's doing a terrible job. But, and this is what Orlowski and I were actually texting about this morning, they mess around a lot on early downs. Like, Justin Herbert is still, like, he's been, much like last year, he's been incredibly clutch on money downs. Mm-hmm. But it's not that he has been worse. He's not making worse throws on first and second down. By the way, so first and second down, QBR 19th, third down goes up to six. Um also, weirdly, uh, better. He has that Mahomes thing where he's better without play action. Which mm-hmm. again, it's not about Herbert. When you watch their play action concepts, it's not like dudes. So typically, like when you when you if you watch all of a quarterback's play action passes, you in good offenses, 
uh, you will see guys running wide open over the middle of the field. That is the, what mm-hmm. most teams in the NFL today are trying to do. That's not what you see with the Chargers. Like, close your eyes and think about the Chargers. When was the last time you saw, like, I don't know, Mike Williams on a dig, yeah. which is wide-ass open on a play-action pass? So, I, I'm... So it's not like they're not doing it, but I don't. He doesn't seem to have the layups on early downs right. that a quarterback of his stature should have because of the fear of God that he puts in defenses. I agree with that. Um, I think that I, I, w- I want to talk for a second here about his success on late downs because I agree with you that the Wild. the the layups are not there on first and second down. And I'm always of the theory, I've got Warren Sharp brain here on this, oh. which is that you mean many things. You're about to, you're about I to love our buddy Warren. Hit us with some memes? No, it just, just the crying emoji. Um, love you, buddy. We, we love Warren. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm but uh, the, I always get nervous when I see success on third and fourth down. Now, he's the yeah. best, he's the best at that in the league by a wide margin. Matthew Stafford is second. It's because he's a freak. Well, also, so I want to get into this, but I like first downs on first down. I like not having stress about this. When, uh, when you said that, it, I heard it in the Cardi B voice. I like first down. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, you did. Uh, so, but, but the this more I think about it. This is why you don't do podcasts it, in person because now you can see the shame in my eyes. All right, you, talk. you know, we did podcasts in person for years before the pandemic, and we didn't have that. I forgot how to act. I know. I can see that. All right. First down. Okay. So the more I think about it, so Kyler Murray, by the way, is the best, I believe is the best third down quarterback Checks in the out. NFL. Makes sense. But anyway, um, we'll get to that in a second. We will. But with Herbert, he's a tall guy. He's got great vision, and he's got a great arm, and he's got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams who just make plays all the time. So if there's anybody where I'm like, okay, Maybe, I asked Solak this the other day, is there going to be any regression? He said maybe, yeah, probably. But if there's anybody that I think that's sustainable for over a career, just nailing third down passes, it's Justin Herbert. So that's why I'm not overly concerned necessarily. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to go in there and do a taken mission and get him away from Joe Lombardi. I know, and I, and I'm, I want to be clear. I don't think Joe Lombardi is doing a bad job, but I also don't think he is like if the question is okay what are the things that can go wrong for the Chargers offense or like what are the things that the Ravens can do to stop him I would say like if they waste first and second down because of the Ravens ability to get pressure especially by the way because uh the Chargers lost their right guard Ode Abushi, who's actually been playing really well former mm-hmm. Seahawk who then became good after that's fine with that. The, the rare Seahawks so, became so, so good. Got, Is it because he doesn't play for the Chiefs? You got a backup next to another backup, of course, yeah. in Storm Norton. So the entire right side of the line suddenly is sus, right? Left side's been awesome. John Slater, offensive rookie of the year contender, and left side Jamar Chase. Uh, and so while the Ravens' pass rush hasn't been electric, I do think Odafe Owe has been everything they would have hoped for and more. And I think Wink Martindale is, going, is looking at the right side of the Chargers' offensive line and tying a napkin around his neck and uh, clanging together a knife and fork because he wants to feast on it. Do people clang that together? It's maybe picking up the knife and fork? Yeah. Anyways, that's where I see potentially the the Ravens having, uh, if there is an advantage that they have on that side of football, it would be right there. And then I think they're getting Deshaun Elliott back, by the way, Mm -hmm. who's a good safety. So, I don't know, man. This is a close one. I'm actually having trouble picking it. I, I started, before we had this conversation, I was leaning Chargers, but now I don't know if it's the... 
um, offensive line thing that's gotten me or just how bad the Chargers' run defense has been, but I kind of think the Ravens can win it. 1 p.m. game in Baltimore. What did... I'm not sure what direction that sound is heading into. I think Baltimore's going to win. I think Baltimore's going to win. Oh. <laughs> okay, the other game I want to talk about today is um, Cardinals-Browns. Yeah. Awesome game. Uh, so the undefeated 5-0, and terrifying Arizona Cardinals roll into town. The Cardinals, I don't have their run differential in front of me, but they they almost got they should have gotten beat with the Vikings, and they almost got beat by the Niners last week. Mm-hmm. I do not think they are fraudulent, but I do think they are certainly beatable, and I think they're I think the Cardinals' defense is going to be very challenged by the Browns' offense. So let's start there. Um, that Card- Cardinals fans, I respect you. By the way, I respect your team. I think Kyler Murray is a, a legit MVP candidate. So mm-hmm. don't yell at me. However, let's, so let's just start on that side of football. Um, I thought Baker Mayfield looked a lot better. And it's funny, you know, the, against the Chargers, they lost, obviously, uh, and came up short on that final drive. But I thought if you're a Browns fan, I would feel so much better about Baker Mayfield after that game than I did the previous two weeks. Because if you remember the previous two weeks, he was outright bad against Minnesota. So he, he didn't light the world on fire in this game. But he actually looked accurate and competent and like his, you know, like okay. he wasn't really pushing the ball downfield, but he was throwing it fine, making good decisions, all of that. None of that matters. Um, so you remember I was just saying that the Chargers have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Quietly, Arizona has also really struggled to stop the run. I know they're only 13th in DVOA, but they're 25th in success rate, and they're 30th in allowing opposing running backs to get first downs. Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but the Cleveland Browns, Browns. have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That. Yeah. yeah, 31, 31st, and I almost said 31th. Um, that's my podcasting in person. That's my new, that's, um, that's okay. me does dialing not, something Does not up. compare to the Cardi B. Um, five and a half yards against per carry, uh, not great. I, I actually, I, I understand what you're saying about Baker. but You're still I, worried. I'm not going to have a parade for him. I'm not going to have a parade for them. I mean, like, last week was really bad. They were the first team in history to score 40 points, not turn the ball over and lose. Yeah. Previously, uh, but you're team, that NFL teams. No, no. Teams were 463 and 0 um, before that. That's wild. Um, what I'm going to put that on A, obviously, if you score 40 points and lose, there's some defensive problems. Um, I was not happy with the end of game sequence there for the Browns at all. Um, that was a nightmare. And it suggests to me. Uh, that they need to do, like Orlovsky said on tape the other day, they need to do something to win games. And, like, Baker needs to seize those moments. I know that sounds very talk radio-y, but that, that's what needs to happen. And the, the play calling was conservative at yeah, the so end they, of it. So they ran, for those who don't remember, on this final drive, they run the ball on third and nine. Yeah, and they punt. And they punt. And they're backed up in their own territory, but it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Because you know who's on the other side yep. of the field. Justin Herbert's been absolutely destroying your defense. If you can just get a first down, you can, you know, so anyways, that's what and then Kevin's talking about for those who at the game. end, at the end of it, after they threw Austin Eckler into the, into the end zone, um, Stefanski said they have a four, had, had a four verts uh, concept that was then mm-hmm. checked into a, a Kareem check down, Kareem Hunt. Um, and I, it sounded like they... I, Stavansky said, in hindsight, I definitely wish I had done something different with the, with, with, with the sequence you're describing. But then there were just a, a bunch of miscues, a bunch of conservative plays. Um, I, they, they should not have lost that game. 
I don't think I think Baker is is really good. I'm high on Baker in general. Um, but yeah, uh, last week made me question whether or not this is this the Browns team can be one of the top 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 teams. I think that's fair. I I, I think just from a matchup perspective, this is super favorable for them just because of what we've seen. I like I came away. I think they're going to win this game. You think they're going to win this game? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so 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 you agree with me that they're going to be able to run the ball with impunity? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I was responding to Baker and the offense and, so, yeah, and some, yeah. of the, some of the issues I saw last week. Because you said that if you're coming out, yes, obviously obviously Baker Mayfield was better than he was two weeks ago. Not hard to be better. But he's not where I so want him to be. The other thing we should probably mention, just focusing on this side of the ball, is Chandler Jones is on the COVID list. Yes. That is a big, big deal. Um... It's Wednesday, so you know if he is vaccinated, you know two negative tests, twenty four hours. You guys know the drill now. Um, but if he's not in, so JJ Watt was like freaking awesome against the Niners, but I believe a lot of his success is predicated on playing next to mm-hmm. Chandler Jones. So I, I I worry about that group as as improved as the Cardinals secondary has been. By the way, they didn't have Byron Murphy Jr. in this game. As improved as they have been dealing with injuries and you know. Backups, backups upon backups. Um, if they can't get pressure or stop the run, it's really genius level stuff. But I'm just saying, I actually think this, this Cardinals defense is pretty vulnerable, um, and they're really vulnerable without Chandler Jones. That is huge. It's massive. Um, yeah, I mean, Chandler Jones is, is a game wrecker, and I think that I'm of the opinion that the Cardinals – are like you said, not as good as the record has been. I think they they are really good. We can get to their offense here yes, in a second because I, I have I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but I I think that this is this is a Browns a pretty easy Browns win. Um, and 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 you talk about Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones did something that I've never seen before last week, which was he left the play in the middle. This is amazing. So he he was he was being held and it was borderline. It was borderline. He was being held by a Niner. And he could have sacked Trey Lance. Honestly, he could have, could have strip-sacked him. And instead of pursuing this line of thought, he just turned around, left the play, just left the pocket while Trey Lance was standing there and started complaining to the ref to get a holding call. And he got it. And it, it worked. And it worked. <laughs> it and it worked. worked. But I've never actually was... seen... I've never seen that So I was, I was watching. Innovated. I was watching this game closely because uh, mostly because I wanted to see Trey Lance and Kyler Murray. Um... And when that happened, I checked the internet and I was like, how are more people not talking about this? This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But I, I guess I don't, the, the afternoon slate was so crazy. Like kind of that game kind of flew under the radar. Like not a lot of people seem to watch Trey Lance because people were like, oh, you want to push And I'm like, did yeah, you actually yeah. watch the game? He kind of did some interesting things. Um, glorious moment. Big injury. Uh, I, the other side of the ball, we all just we just found out Rodney Hudson is out. That's another big injury because I believe Jadavion Clowney, who was out in the mm-hmm. last game, and that was incredibly impactful because he's been really, really good on the inside. I think he's going to be back because he was questionable. We'll see. You, Kevin's Googling for me. but oh, No, I wasn't. I, had, I, oh, another, okay. I just wrote the word incubus down because I had a thought about this. <laughs> um, drive? Is it just like no, thinking no, about no, drives? No, and, I, it's... Uh, is there another incubus song other than drive? Uh, Megalomaniac? Is that the song? Uh, Wait until you hear this take. We are really spanning, spanning, spanning musical genres. Okay, this is the Cardinals front. The pardon me, the Browns pass rush did not look great, admittedly, against the Chargers until the end of the game. It's mm-hmm. already kind of heating up. But if Clowney is back, 
uh, I think the absence of Hudson could really hurt them. So we had a guy on our podcast this week named Jim Monos. I don't know who it was. He's a former uh, Bills executive who's with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. He was with the Saints for, for seven years. And I, we were talking about making a quarterback's life easier and what that even means from a personnel standpoint on this week's Ringer NFL show. And he said that when he's in coaching interviews, and he's been in a bunch, they said the, the GM or, or the team president or the owner, whoever's going through, said, why don't you rank, just so we're on the same page personnel-wise, why don't you, head coaching candidate, rank the positions that are important? And he said the one position, without fail, that is always ranked higher than the general public would think, and sometimes it's like number two, is center. It goes quarterback and then it goes center because that is the most important thing for a young quarterback is, is how good a center can be. And so I don't think we were talking enough about the interior defensive line and Rodney Hudson to begin with. He had no pressures allowed, uh, none, through the first five games. Uh, Creed Humphrey, as I said, has allowed two. Um, Aaron Donald had the lowest passing grade of his career, um, pass rushing grade of his career when, when going against Cardinals a couple weeks ago. Um, this is... Kyler's been amazing. And you know, I heard Seth Galina talk about this earlier this week, but what Kyler allows, Kyler bails out Cliff a little bit, and we're going to get to Cliff here in a second. It involves Incubus. But um, but one of the things about that offense is it, 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 it's spread, but they can get down the field because Kyler can extend the plays. They don't need to go quick game all the time because Kyler can just get out of situations. And so they can have long developing plays uh, from that kind of what they're calling super spreader which I don't, don't necessarily love that. Don't know. Don't love that. I wish the tape community would have a conference <laughs> and come up with something maybe new about that. Anyway, um, so Kyler is completing nearly 70% of his passes over 20 yards right now. Uh, no one else is above 52. What? It goes Matthew Stafford and then two Wilsons, Russell and Zach. Um so well, that just blew my mind. Yeah. that makes no sense. It has, has Zach attempted like one? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> and he was half a pass. <laughs> he got he got a fifty percent completion on a single attempt. Um, and so I I really like this this Cardinals offense. I really like what they've been able yeah. to do. Um, but a they're due for kind of a future performance. Even though, by the way, they didn't play great they, last they, week. No, defense they did not game, play great last uh, week. One hundred percent. Um, and b they're they're due for a loss in general, just the way the NFL goes. Uh, this Browns team is really good. As I said, I like Baker. I'm not going to throw a Super Bowl parade for him, but I like Baker. Um, and so I think the Browns win this game. Uh, but I, I think the world of what the Cardinals have been able to do. I want to say one more thing, and that's it. I had asked Akeem Sleep on Slow News Day because I saw this play. You probably saw it too, where Kyler threw a pass to DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. And Josh Norman looked like he had a good angle on it. And I don't even know how it got past Norman and into Hopkins' hands. It looked like Norman was in absolute hell, okay? It looks like a nightmare. So I said to Tlaib, if you're, like, drafting nightmare scenarios right now as a cornerback, is guarding Hopkins with Kyler throwing number one for you? And he said it was. And, and the reason he said it was was because having vertical ball skills – and covering are actually two different traits. Yeah. And he said the reason Hopkins is so effective and the reason Kyler's throws to Hopkins are so effective is because not everybody has those vertical ball skills. And so you might have a guy who's a quote-unquote shutdown corner who actually just can't leap with these guys. Yeah. And that's where the nightmare comes in is you can do everything right, but if you don't have A, a, a jumping skill, and B, the timing of the jump, um, you're going to be in the torture rack. This is where I start to worry about the Browns defense because all of their corners are hurt. I don't know 
we're, this is Wednesday, so I, I'm actually reluctant to say who is going to play in this game. I have no idea. Do you like my take of uh, talking for 10 minutes about how amazing the Cardinals are and then saying this is going to be an easy Browns win? <laughs> I'm actually trying to kind of like dig you out of it right now by eh, like bringing you back whatever. to like who could do anyone could win. Um, the great thing on this podcast versus like um, uh, I, I guess first take or just whatever is that no one yells at me or, or when I get stuff show. wrong. And I get stuff they wrong don't? all the time. Oh, yeah. People no. yell at me for that stuff. Nobody, uh, my listeners are loving. They understand that football is random and complicated. That's um, the one, I will say this, one thing, you know people in the NFL, I know people in the NFL. The one thing that I've learned that I didn't expect is how many people are just kind of like, yeah, weird stuff happens. Because we de- live and die on every result. Pablo made a joke about this after Bengals-Packers. He's like, imagine betting on football after yeah. watching this game. People are insane. Okay, but, but when I, so the Cardinals, pardon me, the Browns corners are all hurt. Yeah. I don't know who's playing. Um, Ward left the game. Newsom has this like concerning injury and has been out. Uh, Greedy Williams got banged up. Safeties did not play well against the Chargers, by the way, which was a tough watch. So there's concerns. And as you mentioned, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is currently unguardable. Um, the Cardinals' offense, Ron Moore made maybe the craziest catch I've seen all year in this game, the one where he was over the sideline. Like, it wasn't even, it was not a good ball. He, I, I don't even know how because he's my size and he extend like, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. They have a guy for every situation. That's probably a good analogy for that. My brain isn't working right now. But they have every type of wide receiver mm-hmm. that you want, and they're all playing well. Um, they're, they're not even using Rondell Moore as a downfield threat, by the way, which is like a, a thing he can do. So I think they're. I think that you're right. Will, that there's, Will Blackman had a take last week that when Kyler Murray throws to Rondell Moore, it looks like he's throwing to himself, and I can't stop thinking about it. When they drafted him, I tweeted it as a joke. Kyler Murray to Rondell Moore is, is adorable at AF. And the Cardinals recently resurfaced that, but not in a mean way. For once, it wasn't yeah. in a mean way. They were like, see, like it's true. And I was like, thank God. I really don't want, like, I, it's a prestige situation. We love short kings. Yep. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. Like, so a lot of what they're doing, it's not unsustainable, but they're on the edge of it's Kyler making insane plays mm-hmm. happen out of structure. Um, and also, and um, Ollie Connolly made this point on my podcast a couple weeks ago. I thought it was great. If they lose anyone, suddenly it all becomes a lot easier to stop, regardless of because of the you know the offense is basically functionally the same. Mm-hmm. They just have better players. And to that end, I actually think a sneaky impactful injury is the loss of Max Double X Williams, yeah. the tight end, who's I believe I don't know if he's out for the season, but I seriously doubt he's playing in this game. Um, because after DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, he's been taking the most snaps for this team. They use him not only as basically, you know, they, they, they use him every kind of way. He's a very good run blocker, very good in pass pro as well. And to me, again, this is an obvious where like, if you just take one Jenga block out, suddenly it gets a little bit worrisome. Zach Wilson, by the way. Oh, no. 25 attempts deep. He's completed 13 of them. Take that, no, hater. that's not real. That's Take a, that, that's hater. That's a fake stat. Better than Josh Allen, better I, than Dak. I don't, that's just not better true. Better than Justin Herbert. I don't believe. What is this? What? Are you, are you, I feel like I'm being gaslit. Are you going to fact, fact check I, I feel like I'm being gaslit. Are you going to do a, a, a Aussie-style investigation on PFF? I, I, I just, don't, I just don't believe this to be true. I'm looking at it. I know, I, I know you're right, but my brain is telling me that that can't be true. I... I 
he only he's the only person who's really good at this who has less than a hundred passer rating on deep passes though. So is he better at throwing the ball deep than anything else? That makes sense. That's like his. Yeah, but that's what we've seen yeah, out of him. Seen, yeah. That's what we've All seen right. out of him. Th- not... There's a number of there was a quarterback last week where I was thinking about that where I was just like stop making stop missing these these layups and just start throwing thirty yard passes. Can I play that with Joe Burrow? Geno Smith, you ready for Sunday Night Football? I will say this. It'll be really interesting to see a guy, one quarterback who we didn't even know uh, was in the league versus Geno Smith. <laughs> you didn't even uh, get to Incubus. Okay, so last, before the pandemic, Eddie Vedder has this concert on the beach every year in Southern California. What? And, yeah, and it's like a charity thing. And so, like, two years ago, uh, he was playing at night and the band before him was Incubus. This like this it's for environmental causes. And I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, a huge Eddie Vedder fan. But I really hate Incubus. And I'm, we were in high school at the same time and like you remember the Incubus crowd, right? Like I mean Incubus was huge. Yeah, when we and were I, in I high wasn't school. I wasn't in that crowd. We were both punk kids. Um and so we were probably on some level offended, but there was a rock band as bad as Incubus that was really popular while, you know, Hot Water Music uh, and Dillinger <laughs> Four went uh, went unnoticed. But um, so music somewhere, someone just pumped their fist. Yeah, a lot of people did, including myself. Like five Um, five people in that max. And uh, the um, so Incubus was playing on the beach, and I, it was beautiful weather, and like Incubus just rolling through the hits, and I was just kind of like, I kind of love this. Like I kind of I'm like in on this, and I don't like this band, but I'm having an amazing time. Vibe based, yeah. And from now on. I'm going to have only positive thoughts of Incubus. Like, I'm having an amazing time. I'm embracing Incubus into my life, That's right? That's how you feel about Cliff? This is how I feel about Cliff. No. I do not. Don't do this. I do not feel good about Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. I do not think he should be the long-term coach of the, the Arizona Cardinals. But I'm having an amazing time watching the Cardinals right now. And at some level, that is changing my opinion of how acceptable he is. Because every time I watch the Cardinals, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. He's playing uh, Pardon Me right now. Um, I'm leaning Browns because of the run thing. Are you leaning Browns to make me feel better because I committed to the Browns are going to win big? And then I <laughs> he spent said 10 it minutes, so confidently. And then I spent 10 minutes. Easily, I think. Also, in the middle it. of a, I'm worried about Baker take, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> that said. You know what we call that? Takesmanship. Look into it. Um, I, I'm leaning Browns. I've, I'm not comfortable with it because I think the Cardinals offense is terrifying but and I and I think the Browns defense has some problems this is an injury based take this is that's such a cowardly position I don't care I'm doing it the Hudson thing has me spooked Hudson and Max and Chandler Jones Mm -hmm. that's not good I realize that the Browns have no cornerback so as I say that so it's kind of hypocritical Kevin Stefanski also stuffs Cliff Kingsbury in a locker regardless quietly but then doesn't make a big deal about it yeah just keeps him moving in great shape Every time they cut to him on the sidelines, I'm like, damn, like, yeah, that dude works out. I feel like the younger generation of coaches all work out. All work out. They Everybody, all work yeah, out. Yeah, solid, solid. How old is Arthur Smith? I liked how he uh, has that kind of mutton chop thing. Arthur Smith is 39 years old, but not spiritually. It's because he's a billionaire. <laughs> he, okay. He has the look of someone who looks so not generationally wealthy that you you know that you intuit that they have generational wealth. You know what I mean? I 100% yeah. know what you mean. Okay, is that you he, understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old money. Yeah, he's got an old money look to him. I like his his, his uh, mutton chops are like kind of ombre now to match the Falcons gradient jerseys. They go from like gray to 
Okay, this is getting off rails. Let's wrap, as always, with five questions for our guests. Stinks and Dunks are part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Kevin, as always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny, who's not here, but he sent it in, so don't worry, you're not, you're not going to escape that, so you're good. Um, all right, so I'm going to start with Packers-Bears. So I'm, I'm, all, my four questions are all going to be about team games this coming week. Okay. Packers-Bears. Are you as impressed by the Bears' defense as me, or am I wrong? No, I, I have been. I have been. Um, I'm starting to worry about Matt Nagy keeping his job. Like, that's how encouraged I've been <laughs> by the Bears' defense. Yeah, how do you feel as a Bears fan with the wins? I mean, you want to win, but... I think that I think it's, it's Bears fans understand. Sword. Yeah, I understand. But listen, the defense is, has has never been the problem, um, just as far as just identifying the big problem in, in Chicago over the past couple of years. So, no, I, I think that this will be maybe a close matchup, um, and I also think that the Packers will win. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think I'll be curious to see what the Bears. The Bears' offense kind of looked actually different over the last two starts. Um, oh, know, the, what changed? I don't mean pre. Matt I, no, no, I mean moving himself. I mean the two Bill Be- Laser games. Yeah, so, so I'm saying no. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying what changed? Oh, is Matt Nagy having nothing to do with anything? <laughs> Funny how that works. So in the first game, you, you know, Fields comes out and he's like slinging it deep, and they're doing all the stuff everybody wants to do. In the last game. Um, he wasn't really. It was he was it was mostly pretty conservative, but the run game was like awesome. Like the Bears' offensive line were moving people, which was crazy. Because I'm sure you remember uh, only a matter of four weeks ago, people were asking if it was a crime against humanity to start Justin Fields behind that offensive line. So I'll be curious to see. I think that they can run the ball on Green Bay. It's not really the surprising take. 
So I'll be curious to see if they take, I think they'll take a similar approach from what they did in the last game. Isn't it funny that the actual crime against humanity was Matt Nagy deciding Matt Nagy should call plays for Justin Fields? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, okay, second question. Cowboys, Patriots. So I've been stalling because I've been trying. Oh, here it is. Okay, I found it. Take. I want you to rate this take <laughs> on, on, on a scale yes. of one through ten, just in terms of pure fire. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you the source of the take. <laughs> All right, now I'll tell you at the beginning. The take is from WEI, which for people who don't know, look it up. It's the New, it's, uh, New England's like radio station. Overrated Cowboys defense should be no match for Mac Jones. Oh, God. Well, okay. So I don't think it's true, but I also appreciate the take. So, like, you and I, we're both obviously students of, of fire takes. Takesters. And I appreciate this take. We so, started our take heads, like a rival podcast at Orlovsky. <laughs> but we don't watch any tape. <laughs> we just get takes without watching any tape. What if, no, I think we do 30 minutes of just, here, here's what you do. Here's what take heads is. Here's what take heads is. You do 30 minutes of just off the hip, shooting from the hip takes, and then we watch the tape. Oh! And then we can't change our takes. We just have to justify our takes and dig deeper and deeper and deeper until we've perfected the take. It's kind of like what you did with the Browns, right? Um... Yeah, that that was that was a soft launch. That was a pilot. <laughs> you like you like what you hear, Pataro? <laughs> Let's offline about this. All right, give, give me give me a review of that take. I mean, the it's, Cowboys it's, are gonna win, right? Yeah, the Cowboys are gonna win. The Cowboys might win the NFC. Um, the Cowboys might win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys might win the Super Bowl. I, the Cowboys' offense is like my favorite thing to watch in the NFL. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a it was a great piece last week by Deontay Lee about how soft everybody's playing them, and Kellen Moore has all the answers. I will say, Bob Sturm was on our podcast last week, and, and mm. I, I, I was talking about how I think that um, I think Kellen Moore should be the head coach next year of the Cowboys. And, and Bob's point, which I thought was interesting, was Kellen Moore's doing a great job. They can give him a couple million dollars every time he steps foot you know, on Jacksonville's, at Jacksonville's facility or whatever and interviews for a job, and, and he can be fine, be coaching and waiting. But Mike McCarthy is undoing the Jason Garrett culture, which the Jason Garrett culture, if you don't know, if you've never been to Oxnard for training camp, is like, let me spend 30 minutes on the sideline talking to a CSI Miami actor, right? Like that's and clapping and not really doing anything. Like there's a lot of of culture building that needs to be happening um, that, that I think Mike McCarthy, even if he's not a great coach, is doing if you talk to people in Dallas. So I, I have a, um, I guess, a grudging grudging respect now for McCarthy that I didn't have and I, I really like this Dallas team but the take I would give a I mean it's like a seven and a half it's not yeah it's not like like the the the, the nine and a half would be uh Mac Jones is a better Dak, quarterback yeah. than Dak no, Prescott <laughs> all right question three we kind of hinted at this game earlier Sunday night Seahawks Steelers my question for you is should I watch the game or should I check out the new Gossip Girl? So I've seen some traffic on the new Gossip Girl. It's uh, it's like... <laughs> the teachers are the Gossip yeah, Girls. That's not a spoiler. The teachers are the Gossip it, Girls. It is the premise so of the show. So what are the students? They're just privileged teens. <laughs> I don't know about this one. 
Do the Seahawks have any chance? Uh, yeah. I w- so, so, yes, they do. Um, I would also say that if, if Geno Smith beats the, Se- uh, the Steelers or the Seahawks, um, if he beats the Steelers, the amount of trash you could talk. Oh, my God. I'm going to walk in. You know the infamous Vince McMahon gift? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Stephen A. one. Oh, like where yeah. he's wearing the cowboy yeah, hat? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what would be the equivalent for me? Coach me. Because you know Stephen A. Yeah. is a Steelers fan, right? He and, is? And I'm on, yeah, he, he, it comes up sometimes. So I'm on first take on Tuesdays. If Geno Smith beats the Steelers, what should I wear? Like, what is the equivalent yeah. of that? Should um, I get a Geno Smith jersey? No, I think that's actually a little too obvious. I think <laughs> you should get a Dwayne Haskins jersey. And then, no, and then don't wear it, but hold it up and ask if he wants it. Is that the move? Uh, just, just let everybody know that it, it's no longer Ben's time. Um, I unfortunately I think that the Steelers are too much, too superior in the trenches. I was very impressed by the Steelers' offensive line last week. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the Steelers are going to probably nine times They're out of ten win this game. I'm so sorry that America has to watch this game. I mean, you don't have to. You can watch Gossip Girl, like I suggested. I saw. I'm going. This is, this I, is a disgusting I, game. I'm going to go to the uh, Miami North Carolina game this weekend, and I saw yesterday that they switched it to the ACC network, and I fist pumped because I was just like, nobody, America does not do. Yeah, this I, game. I mean, it's just like I'm a huge ACC network guy. I watch it more than sh- shout out to sh- ACC network. I honestly probably watch ACC network more than any person in America. Um. Bet you didn't see that take coming. I'm trying to to make an ACC network joke, but I didn't have one. Um, It's like, it's week six. Can't they flex it out? I I know it's week six. Well, I mean, it's the Steelers are ratings magnet. We just, uh, I mean, Packers, Bears would be great. Um, All right, question four. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Dolphins, Jaguars. The other great game of the weekend. Two is back. To his back. Is this Trevor Lawrence's first win? I realize this is an unpickable game, so nobody shame Kevin for his take. I don't have a take. Woof. Um, are we sure Urban Meyer... Didn't leak the... Didn't... No, 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 no. No, 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 no that's no, not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, and I wasn't either. I was asking, are we sure Urban Meyer is capable of putting together a game plan mm. to beat an NFL team when it's a fair fight. Let's go find out. Like this, this is, is it. This is their shot. So we had no, no. So we had a reader question, a listener question last week. Who's going to win first, the Jaguars or the Lions? The Lions. The Lions. Well, 100%. yes, yes. So they have the Seahawks. Oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I don't want to talk about Halloween. It. Then they have the I don't, I don't want to. Halloween talk Seahawks game, Mina. I don't want to talk about Jaguars. That. My costume this year is going to be someone who doesn't watch football. Who pretends? It's a lot of those people in media, actually. <laughs> For more, check out Takeheads. <laughs> um, okay, just give me a winner so we can get to Lonnie's question. <laughs> the Dolphins. Yeah, I might pick the Dolphins, too, for the same reason as you. Triumphant to a comeback. They have a real coach. All right, question five, as always, comes from Lenny. He emailed this in. He has the email. Mm-hmm. His emails are all fine, though, by the way. Totally appropriate. They're mostly just me asking me for more more meals. Yeah, over two, ten two years. Is not enough. Over the last ten years. <laughs> two is not enough. Um, so Lenny is a huge fan of your NFL takes. 
big Ringer NFL show listener. Love it. But um, he actually has a question about college football. He oh, doesn't God. follow it at all, and no. he wants to know how the University of Miami is doing these days. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go. I've decided to uh, you know it starts with me. So I'm gonna be in Chapel Hill this weekend, just evaluating the program. Uh, made a face. Chapel Hill is a very nice place. Mm. It's pretty. Um, so I'm going down there. I'm gonna check it out. Uh, the University of Miami is not good. We're a complete disaster as a school, uh, as a program. Um, the president of the school doesn't like football, which uh, wow. is kind of a guidepost to everything else. Bold. And the athletic director doesn't really know what he's doing. The coach is quite bad. Um, it's so easy to win at Miami. You either need a, a, a recruiter who will go into dogfights at some of these, um, in, in some of these high schools in Florida, and and win these. You know, like just like one-on-one dogfights with Nick Saban, with Kirby Smart, with um, it used to be Jimbo Fisher before the state shut down its football team, um, Dan Mullen. Um, and so there's, or you just get like a, a Butch Davis style evaluator who can go in and like find the next Dan Morgan, Ed Reed, that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know how they get better. They have to fire people. We had Bruce Feldman on the podcast this week and, uh, he said that it's just going to be a lot of money to fire Manny Diaz and then hire someone like Mario Cristobal who could do it. Like I said, I was joking about this, but like. I saw a headline this week that was like the Barcelona president thought that Messi was going to stay for free this year and just because that was the only way he could play because of the wage cap thing, registering players or whatever. Like that's actually what Miami needs to do is like Mm. not for free exactly, but Mm. they just need a guy like Mario who's like, I'm actually going to take a pay cut to to come home and – and and reinvigorate this this program. Getting the rare Lenny response in real time, uh, just a text, we text as well. He says, thank you for the analysis. <laughs> Didn't think you were going to take my question so seriously. You could have just said bad. So when Bruce, I asked Bruce yesterday, <laughs> who, who's going to hire Miami's, uh, who's going to be the next Miami coach? And I had to like put my hand over my mouth because I wasn't going to end the podcast there and I was just going to do 90 minutes on it. It's a real bad topic for me right now. First episode of Takeheads. It'd be like, it, it would be the equivalent of me asking you this question. Don't do it. Is Pete Carroll a good coach? See you guys next week. <laughs> Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.